What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig economy news and interviews, sponsored by Para and ParaWorks. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. Welcome to the Para Presents the Gig Economy, a weekly discussion hosted by me, Rodeo Steve, and David Pickerell, the CEO, CEO and founder of Para. Um, David, welcome. Uh, our guest tonight is the newly elected Colorado House member, Stephanie Vigil. Um, if you guys remember, Stephanie was a guest of the podcast, geez, I don't even know, maybe five, six months ago? Something like that. It was. It was. It's yeah, a while. It was a while. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's. A, it's. A, it's been a minute now. So, um, but she was on the podcast before, before the election. So before we even get into the 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 meat of tonight, I'm going to let Stephanie walk us through the actual what happened since kind of since then, like since that time, and because I remember your leg was broke or your foot was broke. <laughs> There was a, there was other things going on too. You had you had some you had some obstacles on top of doing all this. So I'll let you tell the story. So go ahead. Thanks. I did have a pretty eventful year. I kind of keep forgetting about the foot. It's been bro- so I broke my <laughs> foot in like the first week of September, which um, you know on my electoral calendar was about six weeks before ballots dropped, uh, which is exactly when you want to be out pounding the pavement um, as much as you can to do voter outreach. So it kind of put that. Uh, on hold and I had to get a little bit more creative with things. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm Steph V Hill. It is V Hill, by the way. I just thought, figured out, I'll, I'll tell you up front because so that, so that you can know, because <laughs> every, everybody okay. says oh. it wrong at least once. It's okay. I just, and I said it wrong the last time you, you corrected me too. So. Okay. It means vigilant. So you're, you know, you're on the right track. It makes sense. <laughs> right. That's, um, that's what I meant. I yeah, meant, I meant that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was running in a um, you know previously uh, Republican-held seat um, in Colorado Springs. We're the second largest city in the state of Colorado, and it is a blue state um, officially. Um, but it is you know fundamentally like a, a right-leaning county and city. Colorado Springs is, and so it was definitely a, a big uh, challenge to flip a new seat there. Uh, I had run for the old HD 16 in 2020 before there was, you know, census and redistricting and, and redrawing and all of that. Um, put a good dent in the numbers and kind of hoped that maybe, you know, getting a little bit more name ID and getting some some momentum and, um, you know, putting myself out there a bit would help set me up for success if I wanted to try it again. And of course, I wanted to try it again and um, worked really hard. We knocked a good, oh goodness, I think we knocked a good 16,000 doors or so um across the the whole team so um yeah you you just gotta hustle i think is, is the big thing if you if you want to win a seat that everybody says can't be won um you know there there is such a thing as something that's just too too deep one way or the other but this was not and this was within that persuadable range that if you get out talk to enough people and 
um, you know, put in put in the legwork, you you can do that. So um, I am the uh, first Democrat elected to that seat. Um, I am among the younger members of our our uh, legislature. We don't have we don't have a ton of people under forty, but it's a bigger pool than I think it's ever been. Um, I'm also the first gig app driver elected to the Colorado legislature. So I you know I came in here with a lot of um, a lot of varying ideas about what we can do to make this uh, this workforce work better for the people who do it. Um, never with the intent to like, you know, force people to be employed or anything like that, right? Obviously, there's been a lot of great debate about that that sometimes goes very poorly. Um, but to, to really work with the things that drivers have been saying, we want to see change. Um, that we want, uh, we want the app companies to do what they say they do. Um, we want the, they want, we want there to be strong transparency measures. We want to have um, the right to a review and some kind of process and to have a say in the the procedures if, um, you know, if we're deactivated or something, for instance. So, um, so it is one of my, uh, one of my big projects this year is a gig work transparency bill that has started over in the Senate. It is uh, Senate Bill uh, 23098, if you are taking notes. Um, but yeah, we kind of just came into the seat with, uh, you know, a lot of pro worker and pro renter and pro environment, um, uh, items on my agenda. So I am also running a renter's rights bill and, and doing some clean air work and things like that. Um, and then right after I was elected, um, if you haven't placed, you know, for those of you who are outside of the, the state here, if you haven't placed where I serve, uh, club Q is in my district. Um, and that is also part of my community. I'm a queer person. Um, I'm married to a queer person. Um, my whole my whole family and community is, um, you know, we're we're alphabet mafia folks. And uh, that that mass shooting at the club that's in my district, that's kind of right around the corner from where I live, really shook our community. And uh, I found myself really thrown into the public eye and uh, like finding myself like, well, I guess I kind of should out myself. I haven't really, you know, I haven't like shy about it, but I certainly didn't go around being like, knock, knock, knock. I'm queer. Will you vote for me? You know, it wasn't like that. So um, just been, just to, just to get the timeline straight, the shooting yeah. of that in the election. <laughs> Yeah, so that because the shooting was in like late, mid to late, I'm mix up the dates now, mid to late uh, November. So like I had just been elected, um, I think not even two weeks beforehand. Right. So the um, voting was, was passed when that happened, which which yeah. if you guys aren't familiar, um, you know, it was it was a it was a nightmare, and you guys can look it up. It's it's on every media you can find it. So yeah, yeah. So you know, it's just. Um, and it's not even the first, you know, mass shooting we've had in Colorado Springs in recent memory. You know, there was a birthday party shooting, six people dead just uh, like a year and a half beforehand. Um, you know, it's it's been it's been a pretty big problem here. And then, you know, to have it, I think to have it uh, happen at one of the few like really dedicated safe places for the LGBTQ community in Colorado Springs was um, was really tragic. And it definitely brought a lot of people out to to stand up to the bigotry and the hatred and the exclusion that's, that's gone on and to be like, okay, listen, like <laughs> I'm not the, maybe I'm not the most liberal person in the world and I'm not, you know, woke or, or, you know, whatever, whatever, um, you know, people want to say about the left and about liberals. But I think even in a city like Colorado Springs, that's, that's pretty right leaning. Uh, most people were absolutely disgusted that somebody thought that was acceptable to do or that they, you know, I, I would, ho I would hope that regardless hope. of your political viewpoints that that, yeah, that bothered you on a on a not you but everybody. Yeah, 
yeah. both sides of the aisle on a very personal level. I mean, let's let's be honest too. Colorado is not this is not new to us. Columbine, you know, we had Lone Tree, we had the supermarket in Boulder. Supermarket in Boulder. Um, I mean this Aurora. Is, yeah. I mean, we've and and in a supermarket, there was an Instacart shopper killed. I mean, th- this is this is I know all states face this. The the Walmart. Um, yeah. I mean, this we've had more shootings than we care to talk about here, and I and they never make sense. They just don't. Because I mean, I think Stephanie can agree. We're we're very good, kind people out here. I really, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been one after the other, though, and I just feel like you know, Columbine feels like a while ago, but really, it wasn't that long ago when you in the big picture. What's crazy, I guess, is I know all these incidents, but I never placed that a lot of them were in Colorado, actually. Everyone we just named was in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's to say nothing of the the suicide rate in this in this state. And, you know, and I think this is true in a lot of parts of the country as well. But in, in Colorado, I can say for sure um, the majority of gun deaths are suicides and the majority of completed suicides are completed with the handgun. So, we, you know, we have a, a whole we have a lot to work on there. Um, I have some longer term uh, legislative plans about that, not anything that I'm ready to run uh, this session, um, but we kind of, we really do need to, to tackle some of that, uh, some of that combination of, you know, poor mental health, but also like toxic behavioral and, and you know, belief systems and whatnot, like the, like what happened at Club Q and have that combined with ready access to lethal means yeah. I mean, it's really, it's a toxic combination. We've got to come up with some ways to curb it. Um, I do have a, I am a co-sponsor on a bill to uh, expand the number of people who can file a red flag petition. That's the extreme risk protection order um, provision that we have in Colorado law that en- enables a select number of individuals, like certain certain people in certain relationships with um, uh, with someone who is who is deemed to be a threat to themselves or others they can file a petition to have that person like temporarily separated from their guns until we can get things to die back down. And it can be really effective, but currently not enough people are able to utilize that mechanism. Um, so there is going to be some action coming on that. And that'll be, um, that'll be kind of like the, the big thing that I'm able to do from here about, about that. But. And that's a whole nother issue. That's a whole nother segment you guys, because why we're here tonight is, um, and again, you know, prayers to everybody at Club Q and every other one of the ones I mentioned prior, because all of those, my mom lives, um, my mom lives in Tantra Lake. David, you probably have no clue where that is. Stephanie might, that's, it's about a mile and a half from that King Supers. That was her store in South Boulder. Yeah. So, I mean, when that happened, like all the phones blacked out, I couldn't get a hold of her for about an hour. Um, I, I knew pretty much she wasn't there, but at the same time I couldn't get her. And I was like, wait a minute, what's going I was, we were getting no info. So again, you know, this is a whole different thing tonight. I think that, um, you know, I'm glad we mentioned that, but I want to talk about this Senate bill 23098. I think that also, you know, a lot of the things in it kind of go after the same thing as the driver's rights movement. Um, surprisingly enough because it you know it's not asking for what some of the states go after it's just it's it's in my opinion and i read through the whole pdf um but it's more about transparency you know making i I read some of the things like you know making sure that the drivers see the breakdown 
of what Uber's being paid, what the driver's being paid before you can tip. I don't know if, you know, I, I do, I, when we get to it, I do have a couple of questions, but I want you to kind of walk, walk us through that because I know you're familiar with the driver's rights movement. We talked about it the last time. It seems very similar to that. Yeah, that's that's not coincidental. So that's great. Um, so I'm I'm also a member of uh, an, a non-traditional labor union here in Colorado, the Colorado Independent Drivers United. We are organized under CWA, the Communication Workers of America, but we don't really operate like a like a traditional trade union because you know again like we're independent drivers. Um, working off of our own devices and vehicles and not in a shared workspace, it's not gonna be like your average uh, shop floor with, a, with an organized workforce. So um, what we've mostly been pushing on as a group is um, you know, getting getting the companies to do like like the drivers' rights movement is pushing for, like, hey, like you know, you make this you make this whole set of uh, promises and offers to the public um, as consumers and also to like to working people um, who want to work on these platforms that you're going to be your own boss, you get to call the shots, do your own thing. We're going to offer you jobs, you know, in a contractor fashion. Say yes, say no. You're you're in charge of your own work. And then what actually ends up happening when push comes to shove is that they have all these really elaborate ways of of manipulating the user interface, what they tell you, what they don't tell you, the algorithm they run on um, to kind of get people to do more work for less money um, and not see that they're being played until what until you've you know you've tried this for six months and concluded that it's a ripoff and you move on. So they're burning through drivers. Um, some of us, and granted, you know, like I know, like Steve and, and David and, and, you know, myself and in my uh, work, because I'm like a multi-apper on the delivery side, you find a way to make it work for you and it's better. But there's kind of this sense of like, yeah, it's better for me because they're figuring out how to scam other people into taking these worthless offers. And that's that's sad. <laughs> um, I don't like that. I don't like for that to happen to consumers who think that um, this must be a pretty good deal for the people who are, you know, bringing them their sushi or whatever. So um, so we've really pushed on that. And then the other side for us um, in CDU and the Independent Drivers United um, is to go after the regulatory agencies in our state uh, and try to figure out why they're not enforcing the rules that they set. So we had uh, the TNC Act in 2014 allowed Uber and Lyft to come into the state. That was before I was even here, um, back here anyway. Um, yeah, that's when I started. It, okay. Yeah. 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 Yep. So it put um, TNCs, transportation network companies, under the um, uh, under the purview of the Public Utilities Commission, which is a little strange, um, <laughs> but I think it made sense at the time because the PUC had been dealing with taxi companies, and so you know the idea was there they're going to collect a fee from these companies annually and they're going to use it to you know set some rules um, and hopefully enforce those rules. Um, but they haven't been, right? And, and of course, how would they? They don't really do consumer protection. They definitely don't do uh, worker rights or like labor disputes. That's not in their wheelhouse. So it's been kind of a strange venue for them all along. Mm -hmm. um, and so we you know we've tried a couple of different times to like figure out ways to like put some pressure on that agency. Hey, like you kind of do have this line in your own rules that says that they're supposed to be, the companies are supposed to be transparent. They're supposed to give full information. It doesn't give a lot of detail, but it's in there. Can you at least enforce that? And it's just not, again, it's just not in their wheelhouse. That's not what they do. So our bill is going to um, make those transparency requirements explicit, 
right? You must show a breakdown of, you know, what the take rate or take amount is, what the driver is being paid. The driver has a full right to complete information about the destination, how much they'll be paid, what the mileage is going to be. You're talking, so right now you're talking about from the customer side. Uh, from the customer side and the for our Right, but I mean, the customer site. side also, we'll see. Here's, yes. here's how it goes. Yes. Here's yes. where it's going. Yes. And I think that's reasonable, right? Because I, you know, sometimes I've, uh, you know, and I've talked to people who are outside of our little uh, gig app bubble or, you know, gig life bubble. Um, they'll be like, yeah, but I spent like, you know, 50 bucks on an Uber ride the other night. They must be getting paid really well. I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, you would hope so. <laughs> but I took a $19 ride the other day just to get to the Capitol on a snowy day. Um, it's about a mile. It's not that long of a trip, but I didn't want to walk it on the ice. So I just called for a ride. It was a $19 ride for one mile. And I asked my driver, how much do they offer you? You guys want to take a guess how much they offered him? What? Uh, it was David, better than five. Go. I'm going to let David take this. I, I, I was saying five bucks, but what, what do you think, Steve? I, I, I was going to say a little more um, with the up. I don't know. Is it the up? Was it the upfront model? The because upfront. I mean, here in Denver, we're using the upfront pricing where you see everything, the miles. They're now doing the full, you know, here's the amount you're going to make. Here's where you're sure. going. Sure. Um, I would say seven. Yeah, they offered him eight, but okay. yeah. And I, I still think like that's that's pretty bonkers, right? Because it's less than half of the amount you paid. And, you know, of course, like we still have to pay for our own vehicle and our device and the service on our device and our insurance and our gas money and our upkeep. So how is the company making off with that much of what you are paying as a consumer? They don't even have the overhead. The driver has the overhead. So, you know, I think breaking that down for people when right, right now it looks so much like, oh, if I pay a lot for a ride, the driver must be getting paid. What are they whining about? Um, this is really like, like we just kind of have to open up this, uh, you know, black box that they're hiding in um, and shine some light on the issue. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I do feel like, you know, some people that there was the time when drivers were paid so well, like you were talking about in 2014, 15, 16, like that was just great. Um, that was to flood the market with drivers. That's how they do it. That was the oversaturation three years. I do feel like some people understand the drivers aren't paid enough, but I actually get, I get some pretty advanced people who understand it even beyond and go, yeah, but if they're and and David and I used to ask for just this, and I think it was just last week we were saying that maybe something a little more is needed. I don't exactly know what it is, but we always used to say, "Hey, if you show it all up front, it's kind of on the drive. If the driver doesn't want to take it, he doesn't have to. And if he can't, if that's not going to make him money, I mean, a company is allowed to charge what they want if they're not cheating the driver. If they're being honest with the driver and saying, "Hey, it pays a dollar, they can charge fifty and go out of business." you know kind of thing i mean that's their prerogative but it took them what since 2008 it took them 15 years to decide hey let's be transparent <laughs> which came from other states and other led and other things going on prop 22 washington state these other states and other states looking to go this route i believe to actually go okay well it's time and i actually talked to david about you know do they have an algorithmic gain now? Like, do they, have they got 15 years of data on us to the point where they're like, okay, now we get it. And actually where maybe even the upfront is a worse pay model, but now they're like, this is what you asked for. 
Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, that that's the, that's what we can do from here, right. Is to take them at their word that the model that they've set up for this, for this entire industry, <laughs> that, um, that, that it is what it appears to be and that it, it actually, right. Cause that's what that, this is like the whole point of like the gig app world uh, is that you're supposed to be able to work for yourself and make your own decisions and whatnot. And it's like you said, as long as they're telling you the truth, I mean, if you choose to take a crap order, that's, that's kind of on you. Um, one of the things I will say the bill gets into that I think is, um, is pretty novel. Honestly, I think the whole thing is pretty novel. I haven't seen anybody else, uh, any other states bring it up yet. And we're certainly not, uh, delving into the classification issue. I think, you know, there are yeah, still, and that's one thing I really like. I like that you're yeah. not doing that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there are a limited number of people who kind of do want to be hired, but this really isn't the, like, this isn't that conversation. Um, no. and I think there might be, there might be a space for that where like, um, you know, maybe, maybe in order for these companies to stay viable, especially if they get rules like we're about to impose in Colorado, um, they might find themselves wanting to have a certain, a certain workforce that is hired and supplement the rest with, I, I don't know. I don't know how they want to do it, but we're not getting into that debate right now because it's almost beside the point. The world that we're living in right now is one where you get offers on your smartphone screen, like just rapid fire and you have a limited amount of time to make a decision and you deserve enough information to make that decision. So <clears throat> the other thing that we're taking aim at in the bill, and, and I'm curious what your, your thoughts will be about this, is to go after the nonlinear compensation models, like the challenges and the missions and the, you know, the complete, games. yeah, the games. The yep. Just, yep. The games, the but, you games. know, complete, complete seven orders in a row without turning down a single one and you'll get this little bonus. Well, if you get one little thing wrong, Right. Or you don't finish in time or it doesn't, you know, whatever the order doesn't uh, close and like you don't close your, um, you know, your offer yeah. out in time, whatever it is, you don't get it. Or, you know, it turns out, hey, you uh, you agreed to this uh, challenge where you have to take all seven or eight offers or whatever in a row. So you're going to get all the crap offers because you can't say no to them now. Right. Like it's just it's or, if, so you, or if you got the first six or seven, whatever leaves that last one, like our we're like, hey, that was pretty good. You'll either get a, the worst last one or you or you'll get or you'll be waiting a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, no, they I've had that like, happen They before. do like mm -hmm. to have you idle on the app and they know most people won't sign off with that last one left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing how much you can manipulate a whole lot of people if you're the one with all the data and no one's allowed to see what your process is. Yeah. Right. Well, so I like a lot really is sort of the, you know, I feel like part of the equation that's missing, you know, consumers don't know 63% of a dasher's income comes from tips, right? Because they don't know that people cannot tip or pay accordingly, right? And I think a lot of people have this idea of like, hey, I paid 12 bucks on top of the price of my food, all of that's going to the dasher. And I really think that's a big part of the equation really is, is you know, just clearly lay it out uh, and let people know. And I feel like that's a part that you know, is missing, frankly, from even something we have, you know, even the TT stuff we've been able to do, that's an important part, I think, that I like to see is this idea of if you are the marketplace or you claim you are sort of this middle software provider, just make it clear who's getting what along the value chain, right? And I think this idea of sort of like light, light through end and end is powerful. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and I think that's a that's a really important thing to note too, because I think especially in, you know, amongst like the average working person, especially like I come from like poor people. I've been a poor people my whole life too. Um, the the idea that you're not really supposed to talk about money, it tends to be like deeply ingrained, right? Like we're not supposed to talk about it, right? We don't, talk, you know, but like that, if you don't have um, like a breakdown of that, then we can't really be honest with each other about who it's fair for and who it isn't. So like you said that, you know, all the way down, all the way down the chain um, is, is good, is good for people to have. You know, I would say a lot in one thing that's been happening in the YouTube community, whether you, whether some of the people seem negative and some seem positive, there seem to be some challenges going on lately where you're really displaying your market. Cause we always talk about market to market differences and it shows how much these people are working in a week cause they're challenging each other and it shows how much they're earning along the way. So you, it's kind of fun in real time to see these differences because it kind of shows you. And again, yes, you do have to take into account the cost of living. I mean, do you live in rural? Do you pay a tenth of the rent I pay in Denver? <laughs> because right. if you do and you make what I make, you're making a killing over me. Right. I right. Mean, like, I'm going to be honest, Denver, a lot of people still say, yeah, it, it, okay, maybe it's more expensive, but it's not like LA or New Denver's pretty expensive, you guys. I'm not going to lie. Colorado's expensive. Denver's pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, it's up there with some of those top expensive cities. Yeah. And Colorado Springs has just skyrocketed in the, you know, rents and rents, especially, you know, in the last handful of years where it's like, it used to be that like the, the, you know, deal you could get on like a one bedroom apartment here was like far and away better than what you could get like in, you know, in Denver, or even like in Fort Collins or something. Um, and now like, like I was just checking the latest batch of like market rates for, for a one bed or a studio were priced about the same as Denver. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one thing before before David interjects with anything, one thing I did want to mention is it's funny to me. I was thinking about this before we came on tonight. This was one of one of the thoughts I was trying to get my head around. Um, before the pandemic, Grubhub showed you all the transparency. Grubhub had a wait list to get on Grubhub. They were keeping the right amount or trying to keep the right amount of drivers, probably a little more than were needed, but that's kind of needed to do this correctly. Not too much oversaturation, but they were the no, nobody was really winning the delivery space but grubhub was doing it right uber eats allows you to tip after the fact and who knows what they're doing behind the scenes doordash has a wall built saying hey here's your base pay and we lower that every day <laughs> and, and here's here's part of the tip but there could be more i mean like Every one of them, except for Grubhub, had a problem, and Grubhub's doing the worst. Yeah. And yet, before the pandemic, I don't think any of them were doing great, but I would say Grubhub was probably doing the best. So DoorDash was actually pretty good in my in my market, and I was actually solely a dasher when I was when I was actually you know out out working deliveries because I've done some other stuff pre, as well. Pre pandemic. Pre pandemic. Okay. Um, and then actually, you know, the pandemic year was kind of odd for me because I was I was mostly out of driving for a while. I was doing some other, you know, I was on a campaign, and then I ended up running that year, so I definitely was like doing other work. Um, and so I didn't come back on until after that election, like the following beginning of 2021. So that was actually like my foray back into um, um, to delivering in the pandemic era. Um, and it was kind of it was kind of wild how much it changed. I was like, I guess I'm a multi-apper now. I have to turn on multiple. Like, I can't just do the one because DoorDash used to be so much better. 
Um, so yeah, David, before, before I jump ahead here, do you have any, anything to add here or? I just like to ask Stephanie a question, sort of like you're out there, broken foot, hitting the campaign trail. <laughs> I guess how many, yeah, one, it was impressive, 16,000 doors, but like how many people did you talk, like, did you talk to a number of people who did participate in the gig economy? I think the second part is for the people who didn't, you know, was this an issue that people even cared about? Like, what was your read on that? Yeah. So I, you know, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like one of like my primary topics that I like put on everything. Cause I think it, it was kind of confusing to people. Um, like why that would be, why that would matter, why it was something I could do anything about what was the relevance there. Um, but I, I did frequently, if I had the opportunity when people are like, well, what, like, what do you do with like your regular job? I'm like, well, you know, like, don't laugh. I'm like a gig worker. I'm like one of those millennials, right? I do a variety of odd jobs. Um, but mostly I like to drive on the apps is, is what I do most of the time. And it's amazing how many people are just kind of like, Ooh, what is that like? Cause like, I'm constantly confused how anybody is surviving doing that. Like, can you actually make a living or is it like really just a side hustle thing? I tried Instacart and I thought I was gonna like, just like, you know, drive the car off a bridge. Um, cause I hated it so much, right? Like, um, cause Insta are we Instacart haters here? Is that? I, I don't think other people understand how bad Colorado has Instacart. It's terrible. <laughs> It was terrible. I tried. There's people I, in Austin who crush it, and they show me. They show me what they're doing. There's some cities, but I keep telling people it's 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 here. It's the worst. I mean, it's no, no. I um, I when I was trying to get started with it, I was like, I'm going to give it a try. And I like a couple people who've made a go of it. I kept finding myself getting stuck at the um, like at the Costco. You do not want to be somebody's Costco Insta Instacart shopper. Um, it's it's miserable. I, I really appreciate that you're both like, oh, yeah, no, screw Instacart. Like, I feel it makes me feel better. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't really like super delve into it with a lot of those folks at the doors about this particular bill because I wasn't like, I you know, you don't want to like say you're going to do something and unless you know you're actually going to be able to do it. Right. So a couple of my my bills that I'm on, I'm like, yeah, I knew I could go do this. I knew I could work on this. Um, and the you know, this bill, I was like, we were still like in the process um, and within with CDU, just with my with my driver's union of just like communicating with anyone who would listen, who was already in the legislature about like what our goals and priorities were and what we felt like was the important next step and so um it's been really exciting to see it come together in this bill because i i actually was on the other side of it and now i get to help carry it and it, it almost just uh it was almost too good you know so i love it and i love that you're sort of representing just what we know most of the gig workers we've talked to a lot of gig workers all three of us and we just know it comes back to i know i keep repeating always the same three things right but i'm in charge of my work my time is valuable I have a say in the system. So to me, it's just awesome that you ran, you won, you're there, and now you're introduced to Bill and what you thought would be hard to introduce. So just and a, and and don't forget that she didn't add in the or that it wasn't added in about employee model because I I agree with her. That's a different yeah. That's a different time, and I actually don't. I think if some of these other problems were solved, it might not have to be an issue. Yeah, I don't I don't think it necessarily needs to be. And that's, you know, that's this is the thing I've come back to time and time again, is that like, we, we are really like we're living through a second machine age right now, right? Just like, you know, early industrial era, there are a whole bunch of new things going on uh, technology wise and in workplaces and, you know, that 
just they just did not have a good comparison for like in the agrarian world that we had been living in before. And so you kind of have to legislate differently and you have to have different economic models to work with and you have to like work around um, you have to navigate the space that you're in and it, you can't necessarily use the tools you used to use. And we're kind of going through all that all over again, where, you know, the future of work is fr frequently going to be app based or remote or contract based or whatever it's going to be like, it's flex, out of the uh, bottle. It's out of the bottle. Big. Yep. Yep. Flex is big. Yeah. Um, that's out of the bottle. It's not going back in. So <clears throat> how do we make it work for people? So that it's not just another way for like people with a whole lot of money and a whole lot of power and a whole lot of secrecy to what they do, just using it to extract from the rest of us and leave us high and dry. Um, that's that's what we need to be looking at. And so that's, um, you know, I, I, I come back to those those core tenets too, David, over and over again, where I'm like, hey, like there's also like this nationwide driver's rights movement. I can't do anything about the other states, but we're going to do it in ours. And, so Colorado Senate Bill 23098 is the, the sponsors are Senator uh, Robert Rodriguez, Denver, um, Representative uh, you, Colorado Springs, and then um, and then Representative Jennifer Bacon of Denver. You're the only freshman, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm the one. I'm the one okay. freshman on there. So. Um, so. There's the, this is something I, I mean, I think that this needs to be discussed because in all the articles I read, it mentions it. And I think this might throw people off a bit to the W2 part because, okay, so it's about transparency. Companies would have to disclose the take rates to the drivers and customers before it happens. Sometimes that is not disclosed to a driver before we accept a ride, said Brian Winkler. Um, a driver for Uber Eats, an organizer for the, as you mentioned, Colorado Independent Drivers United, comma, communication worker at American Local 7777. Now, I think that right there worries some people. Oh, that because we're organized under like the, the, the broader union? Because, yeah, yeah, no. because, yeah, local, yeah. because local 7777 tells Beep, beep, sure. Union. That's a union. That's what yeah. people think. Well, and that's why I always try to like clarify for people like we're a non. So CDU is just independent drivers, right? So we're all um, Uber, Lyft, you know, DoorDash, Grubhub, whatever else it is. Um, we don't have any hop, skip, drive people. That would be interesting. They're a whole other, uh, whole other world here. Um, but that's why I always make a point of like mentioning to people we are a non-traditional union, right? Like we're there's we can't have a collective bargaining unit for what we do. Um, it's not that kind of arrangement. But if you want to get in on just the um, just the process of like getting organized, um, kind of getting your collective your, our collective heads around um, some shared goals and some shared values and things that we want to work on within um, the world that we work in, um, you kind of have to have some structure. And one of the things that some of those um, like more conglomerate uh, bigger unions have is that structure. They're like, here's how, like basically, here's how you do. They get your get yourself like um, a leadership structure. Um, here's how you recruit for it. Here are some resources that we have for you. Like there are just there's just more that you can tap into to advocate for yourself and the people you're organizing with if you partner up with somebody like that. So um, I think where where I keep coming back to right is the fact that you know the apps have done a good job of drawing a line in the sand and basically said, are you here or are you there? Right. And I think where I always go back to is for all of us, when we talk to, there is this 70% of drivers like right here who generally want 95% of the same thing. 
right? So I think what I really like is basically saying, regardless of where you fall on sort of the spectrum, can we like make life actionally better in a way that we all agree tomorrow, basically, right? And I think reading from this bill, I do think that that's definitely the case, right? And I think that's why we're proud to support it. I do have one question and I think sort of a, almost like, does it go far enough? And actually this is something that Steve and I have talked about, which is uh, Steve, perhaps you might be better to speak about this, but this idea of like the apps have to provide an estimate or their best estimate. Yeah, I actually, I actually pulled be. that portion out because I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask Stephanie about it. So on page four or pa I'm sorry, page seven of the PDF, um, number four, um, sub number three, uh, an estimate of the total fare that the consumer um, will be charged for the transportation task and an estimate of the total amount the TNC will pay mm -hmm. the driver before any tip is added um, for the transportation task. To me, that sounds like a little bit of maybe an exit loophole for the TNC companies. It, it could potentially be. So you know, without delving too much into like, you know, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one stakeholder conversations and whatnot, there have been like a lot of conversations about, about this already. And, and rest assured, like the app companies lobbyists are up in my grill and have been since before oh, the session started. I'm sure. <laughs> so and that's um, not going to stop. It's gonna no, of course not. No, of course not. No, yeah. but it's in a way it's good. Cause a lot of them, you know, are, um, they, they do aim to be pretty friendly and, and warm towards uh, legislators who they want to get along with, which is, is, good um but you know they they had a lot of things to say about like well you know there's only so much that we can actually fit on the screen and um you know how are we going to make that work and can't we just send people after like after the fact can it be on the receipt and so that's kind of whittled down to like okay like you have to provide an estimate but then the um post-transaction communication is the one that's going to be hyper accurate and detailed and we'll have more that you can so if you start to compare and contrast those as you know an average customer an average passenger um and you see gross disparities then we know that something is wrong um and uh, so for that, one, that's for the that's for sort of the consumer so the consumer on the post fact will see these details on their bill but in the bill does it all, i guess drivers also get full tip transparency as it reads um, so these, we certainly do on the delivery side because there's, there's no excuse for that, right? You're, you're taking the trip that you're taking and they, you know, they have generally already put the tip on there as it is. Right. So, um, let me, I, I might have to actually double check some of like the finer points of the language, but yes, it should be on, but it should be on both sides. And if it isn't, then we have to do a language correction because the whole point is for everybody to get that to get that breakdown. So yeah, there was, there were some things about, you know, like, oh, we don't have like, there's only so much technological capacity for which, you know, it, it I, I, it's a little sus to me, but I'm, we're, we're trying to work with them about, you know, what, what can you do that will be compliant with the new law? Because we don't, we don't want it to be impossible to, to um, fulfill. Um, but the other big piece of that too, is right now, um, there is, there is no clear statutory obligation to be transparent. And, um, even though like the PUC has, like I said, they have like that one little, you know, line here and there about like, they should be showing you full information. There's no recourse if they don't. Um, whereas like our bill puts that under the department of, um, department of labor standards and statistics where it belongs. Yeah. So that I think, I, and, and you said recourse. So that, that makes me want to make sure that we cover a little bit before we run out of time of recourse for deactivated drivers. Yeah. Because I know that's part of the bill as well. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, finally, you have a right to a review. 
simply put, you have the right to a review. You, if you are deactivated, there's a, there's a certain um, time frame in which they can they can pause you. They can suspend your access for three days and and for seventy two hours without. Um, necessarily having to justify it, but then you have to be able to get that review. And we made one carve out in that for, um, you know, if you are um, if you are being investigated for like an assault claim or a sexual harassment claim or something like that by a passenger that's a little bit more serious, um, they get a little bit more time to work with. But you have the opportunity to be heard, um, have the Department of Labor actually review your situation instead of just having, you know, the, the customer service on the other end with the app company say like, sorry, we just shut it off. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Um, and that's that's a big shift from from where we've been. And I, I don't know that I've seen, I don't think any other states have done that yet. So, but I hope that no, they I feel will. like the companies, the companies are almost worse about it, right? They basically say, because you're an independent contractor, we can't tell you what the complaint was or can't tell you why you've been deactivated. Yeah, well, we've got we've got some protective language in there for to. victims. Yeah, they can just say we don't need to tell you. Yeah, one well, of the problems sad, is it doesn't that even is, that is what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have some protective language in there to ensure that it. You know, if you know, for instance, if you're a passenger and you're like, hey, like my driver, like literally sexually assaulted me, right? Like you are protected. You know your privacy is protected and, and whatnot, but that also there's there's a path for someone to to clear their name and and get back on. Um, and I think also the the way that this has been done, where it's just like, well, you're you know again, you're an IC. We don't have to tell you anything, and we really shouldn't. Um, I don't know that that's really a good path forward for a victim getting justice either, because we don't we don't have a resolution process. And that's that needs to include everyone involved. If someone has been out of line, we need to be able to do something about it. And if all they do is just get deactivated and they just go sign up for another company and hurt somebody else, that's not good but for at the victims same time, either. You got to make sure. And I, you know, to anybody who truly is, yes, more. I mean, of course, take them sure. to the cleaners, do what you need to do. But we already know people try and claim a free ride, even if it means the person, the driver, will get deactivated. They still want an eight dollar free ride. Yeah. So yeah. they're going to call it in and make up a lie. I yeah. hope I would hope many don't make up a lie like that. That gets way. You're really now. I mean, it sucks that your even lies are made in the beginning, but something like that could really, you know, I don't. It, it's it's yeah. It's going to be yeah. tough. It's, and that's why you no need joke. the review. That's why you need a review, and you you yeah. should have the right to that. And there should be some process. I mean, I just think you know that's that's also good for victims, right? That's good for victims. That's good for the whole system, and it and it you know ensures that we have a total the you know ecosystem of rideshare that and is safer. We all know everyone. this, right? Like any driver or deliverer who's done this a couple hundred, a couple thousand trips, you've been randomly deactivated, you know, most more people than not have been randomly deactivated. I mean, I got randomly deactivated by DoorDash after I hadn't dashed for a couple of months and I thought, you know, hey, they finally caught on to me, right? It's uh, probably because he signed up with David at withpara.com. It's, <laughs> it's been sitting as that forever, basically, right? But then I reached out to supports and they're like, we can't tell you why. And then three days later, we reviewed and you're back. And I'm like, nothing makes any sense here whatsoever, basically. Uh, it's almost like they didn't want you to call and follow up. But if you did. I know. Okay, but this idea that, you know, a company that's running some of the most complex matching algorithms and routing algorithms cannot figure out how to put, you know, their take rate on the customer's receipt is just complete and utter BS. And I think it's just hiding behind this idea of technology. But I guess sort of like taking a step back, if I had to summarize the bill and sort of, I guess, three points, it's 
tip transparency and pay transparency for drivers. Uh, you know, transparency for the end consumers as to who is getting paid what between the restaurant, the deliverer, or the driver, basically. And the third one being a due process or some sort of a process to say, hey, why was I activated and push back against that and have some sort of a feedback loop in there. And on the transparency uh, part, David, we need to add on the on your first point is right, but we also need to add all the details that you need too. not just the page transparency. Where are you going? Who are you picking yep. up? Where are you taking them? You need all the details. Yep. Independent so contractors. Me, I've been one out of the gig economy since the mid nineties. And I can tell you like people were, t- some people tell me like, well, if you can't make your own price, you're, that's not independent contractorship. It is 100%. I get people who offer me jobs in production all the time. They give me a, Hey, it's $500 a day. Here's the per diem. It's a hotel room. Do you want to take the job? That's independent contractorship. They're being upfront. They're showing me and they're companies I love working with. So, I mean, it, it's not as black and white as if you don't set your rate, you're not an independent contractor. That's not true. But if you don't no. get the information, you're not. Right. right. If but you I don't get, get the information. Right. I get it in a different, different way. They're giving me everything here. Here's what the yep. offer is. Do you want it? Right. And, yep. uh, and there's I mean, no penalty me, penalty to me if I don't take it. And to me, I I look at these sort of three points and I'm like, this is something I support. I'm sure that this is a lot that a lot of drivers would support. And I guess with that in mind, Stephanie, you know, how can we push this ahead? Like what, what happens now? You've introduced the bill. Like if I'm a driver or deliverer in Colorado, like what do I do? Sure, sure. So, so the next stop for the bill is for it to get through Senate appropriations. And that's because it's got a little bit of a fiscal impact on it just to, to fund the Department of Labor. Um, in Colorado, we are super, super fiscally restrained and fiscally responsible. Everything gets a fiscal note. Um, the, the fiscal impact is detailed um, and it has to go through an additional, you know, additional committee and everything and, and get approved. So um, it'll hang out in, in that committee for a little bit because it's still on the Senate side. Um, and we haven't yet done the long bill, which is just our big, our, you know, big budget for the coming fiscal year. Um, so when that is complete, we'll be able to get more bills through appropriations. So if you wanted to go visit the bill's website, you can just search for it at uh, leg.colorado.gov, but it's uh, Senate bill, again, Senate bill 2398. All, um, and we will put all of them in the show notes. You'll put all that in the show notes, yeah. You'll see them all down in the show notes, yeah, links yeah. to everything. So you can email committee members. Um, if you are a Colorado resident, um, you can look up your own uh, representative and or senator. Um, and uh, ask them to support the bill and and tell them why that you know definitely share definitely share your experience as a driver. I think that's the that's been the big thing that has been missing in this conversation for so long. And I I think you know to Steve to your point about you know I think that kind of making people perk up a little bit like ooh CWA that's like a big union thing like you know the 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 overarching umbrella organization is but CDU is just like a whole mess of independent drivers going like hey we want this to actually work for us but we haven't been talking to each other uh, and they're they're going to thrive on that right the app companies are going to thrive on that they don't want us to talk to each other and compare notes and learn from each other so 
Is it is it Doing okay that for me to really deal. quick? We're gonna and I'll include it in the show notes too. But is yeah. it real okay for me to put up your website real quick here on the screen? Please do. That was my other so, thing I was going to mention. Go to stephanievehill.com. Yep. And um, if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get regular updates about this because I'm carrying the bill. Um, especially, I say, especially if you're local, if you're in Colorado, um, when it comes over to the House, we'll have another committee hearing in our business and labor affairs, uh, business affairs and labor committee. Uh, and that'll be another opportunity for you to, to share your story. I think even beyond Colorado, I know that this has actually gotten quite a bit of press nationally. Right. I think, you know, to a lot of people, I've talked to other legislators in other states. I've talked to other people, in other states, and they've pointed to, I think, Colorado, you all have made a bit of a bang. So I also recommend to drivers out there, if you see this and you want to do something, you know, one, pass it on to your legislator, pass it on to your senator, congressman, pass it on to your local government, uh, point to it and say, hey, why don't we have something like this? Number two, this is a bit of a sneak peek, but also the driver's right movement has been working on something as well so i think we will start to which see is a bit. this by the way guys yeah wait uh, david did i do that right I, if i did yeah, i think it's, it's yeah it's drivers drivers <laughs> rights but i think uh no driver rights that's right that's right yeah no uh, i was gonna say i, think, I always yeah. get confused I, I always think drivers but it's driver rights right yeah Yep. This and is, I think so this know, is correct. Yes. Yep. We have something more to come there. But I think in the same vein of what Stephanie's working on, we're trying to pass similar things in other states also. So more to come. This is just the beginning of a bigger movement. But uh, really, on my end, just, you know, we have a gig worker legislating for gig workers. Yeah. I mean, right. we should we, we should awesome. all we should all celebrate that, too. I mean, Stephanie. Yeah. Right. I think when I I think when you were running, I asked you if you were going to be the first in the country and you said you didn't know. I wasn't sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm still not I'm sure. Still, I'm, and I'm still not sure, but I, but, yeah. but I've, here's what I can say. I've, ne I do, I, I'm digging in this stuff all day. I've never seen another, I've never seen a story of another one. Yeah. So if there is another one, please come out of the woodworks because we don't know about you, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, or maybe they didn't even admit that part of the story. I don't know. But as far as I know, I you are the only one in the country. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll wear that crown. As long as it's mine, right? I'll just I'll just take yeah. it for now. I just think hey, too, first, you know, I, I made a I made a big point of um, you know, just as a as a political figure in general, I've been pretty big about just bringing my whole self to my work, including the things that people aren't always proud about, right? I've been disabled in the past. Um, I worked in the service industry for years and years. Um, I have a partial college degree that I wasn't able to finish, right? Like I'm not, I have a pretty like a uh, normal person life trajectory, and people don't always like showcase those things when they pursue public office because they're worried that it's not sufficiently impressive. And in my mind, um, we want a citizen legislature. We want a legislature that um, represents all the different lived experiences that people have. Uh, and so nothing about us without us is what I always come back to. We can't, we can't legislate for things like this without people who have had the relevant experience involved somehow. So I don't know. Maybe maybe there are there are others that are um, talking about their law degree instead of the fact that they they do you know Instacart and DoorDash on the side to stay alive. Yep. Maybe. Yep. I doubt Instacart, but <laughs> yeah, I know. I just had to. Throw, I had to throw not that in, out. I had to Colorado. throw it out there. Definitely not in Colorado. <laughs> but um, Stephanie, before we wrap this up, what I mean, okay. Do you have like a, a minute elevator pitch to the person that you might run into? I know that we've kind of already talked about it all, but how would you summarize it if you had a minute to pitch somebody? Just on the on the bill? In general, a gig worker, you're in yeah. an elevator with them. You got a minute. Yeah. 
Hey, you know what? Um, working people make the world go round. We're the ones producing all the value uh, in our economy. And most of us are, are also consumers of whatever it is that we're producing. And so um, we deserve to be in charge of our work. We deserve to get uh, paid what we're worth for it. Uh, we deserve to have a say in the system. So anything that we can do to make the economy that we're working in actually work for the people who are adding all the value to it, I say we do it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody can debate that change is needed. It's everybody will will debate about how that change comes about. That's where it comes. But people's everybody sees there's issues here. But you know, even some people see it as the business has the right to do what they want. And I I can agree with that side too. But if they're going to do that, the transparency has to be there. It's a must. Yeah. You just can't send us out on wild goose chases. And. Yeah and turn this into a game. It's not a game. People are making livings off this. Yeah. Um, so as much as this is a, a free country, <laughs> I mean, we still, we still have to show people legit offers, you know, that's right. You know, I, I often make the joke that never would a general contractor say to a plumber, I'll tell you what, I'll pay, I'll pay you 10% of your, of your bid. And if you do a really good job, I might pay the whole thing. <laughs> like, yeah. The plumber'd be like, "I'm just gonna yeah, go to the next sand, contractor." Yeah. Bye. <laughs> like, yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Wow. Thank you both so much for for having me on this and for and for your leadership on this issue, both of you and your kind of your respective ways. I feel like we have a little bit of everything here, right? With like just yeah. kind of the, the ways that we all keep an iron and in, in whatever fire is available to us. And but in the um, end, we're I mean, all this for is the how drivers. we. Yeah. That's this is how we make sure. it better. We're all for the gig workers. Yeah. You know. And every gig worker is going to have a different perspective on it, but just got to keep talking until things happen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. David, you got thank any you. last words here? Or? No, just thank you, Stephanie. And we're proud, just, you know, proud, proud of you, proud that, you know, to have you as part of our movement and proud of support what you're doing. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Proud yeah, and, of and, you and as congr well. And again, congratulations on, on the win. Thank I you. know, as you said, you, you went for it once before. You know, you learned and then you went for it again. You won. So yep. hard work pays off, guys. And hey, get I other gig drivers out there. Don't rule right it out. There. Run hard for something. Run for something. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. This was a, I think this was a very interesting discussion and I think people need to hear it. So um, enjoy. Please leave comments and uh, we will uh, take a look and get back to you guys. So with that, uh, have a nice evening and we will see you next week on Para Presents. I'm a man, I'm a